This is Many Lamps in the Room, a podcast by and for New City Church in Vienna, Virginia. Later on, we'll be discussing discipline, what it means, and whether the Bible gives us any guidance as to how to discipline our kids. Before we get to that, however, part of our Sunday liturgy includes a question from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and we like to begin each episode with some thoughts about how we can follow up on that question throughout the week in family conversations. Question 107. What does the conclusion attached to the Lord's Prayer teach us? The conclusion attached to the Lord's Prayer, which is, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Teaches us to take our encouragement in prayer from God only, and in our prayers to praise him, ascribing kingdom, power, and glory to him. And in testimony of our desire and assurance to be heard, we say, Amen. I think oftentimes we forget who it is that we're actually praying to. Mm-hmm. Prayer goes into just a, a formality rather than something that you're really going to God about because you understand who he is, what he has done, and what he can do. Mm-hmm. And this last part of the prayer is making these requests, but ultimately being able to submit to God saying, this is your kingdom. And you have the power to make everything um, be, mm. um, and everything is to your glory mm. um, forever. Yeah. So when you pray, realizing that you can make requests, but ultimately it is up to God to hear those requests and then fulfill them or not. Mm-hmm. When you pray, in actuality, are you really praying that this is your own kingdom mm-hmm. and you know that your you have power and control over your situation and this is for your own glory and may god listen to your requests because oftentimes i think that's how we actually feel about our prayers because when they don't happen or they don't come true we're bothered by it and, and we could point our fingers at god and say you know how dare you not listen to me how dare you not fulfill my prayer request when you are anchored and steadfast in the lord your children will see an example of that but also uh, your steadfastness in god will give them security in their own lives Mm. because it's not only a statement of our dependence upon god but it's also our state a statement of our confidence in God. Discipline is not about the parent. Discipline should be about the child, not the parent. Discipline should be about the development, growth, nurture, instruction, support for the child. And if it is, if discipline is doled out selfishly, then that's actually a perversion of what discipline should be. In thinking about what we could talk about next, I brought up the issue of discipline because that is something that parents often do have questions about. And it's something that has 
some tangential relation to the sermon that I gave recently on Proverbs 13, that homily was mostly directed towards the young people in our congregation. But I suggested that for parents and mentors, they might be able to read between the lines and get some wisdom possibly about how Proverbs suggests you can dole out correction and implement discipline uh, in your context, in your families. There was a lot that was left on the cutting room floor. There was a lot that I wasn't able to touch upon. Proverbs 13 is really a rich, rich uh, chapter. So hopefully I could have space to add a little more to that today. Mark, have you guys discussed this? Have you guys had some conversations about what your philosophies are on that and whether, you know, you wanted to apply a certain strategy or, or tactics? Oh, yeah. Discussions is putting it lightly. Uh, we have fought. <laughs> some disagreements. I got it. <laughs> we had we had a couple over for dinner one time, and we started. I forgot how the topic came up, but we started talking about it, and it started to get heated, and Ooh. we could see that the other couple was getting a little uneasy about it. So, <laughs> oh, the disagreement we, was between just you two. <laughs> yeah, and so we waited until they left in order to have a. To finish uh, it. More thorough <laughs> conversation on it. And even then, we didn't really cap it. Mm. And then it, it kept creeping up here and there. Yeah, but we, yeah. we definitely did. You know, both of us had different childhood experiences mm-hmm. with discipline. Mm. Um, growing up, we were we were spanked um, up until... We like, meaning you and your and siblings. I. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were spanked up until it didn't hurt anymore, mm. and it wasn't effective. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I, I remember at some point in in middle school, mm. I think I had brought up to to my dad, um, "Hey, you want to try out this thing called um, um, being grounded?" Yeah. <laughs> New concept. I heard it no, on the street. I, yeah. I know he people are no talking about it, Dad. That's absolutely what happened. I was at school and my friend was talking about this concept called being grounded. And I was fascinated by this idea that there would be no physical physical spanking done. It was, there was no... I was like, oh, this might be a good solution. And I remember... this. I didn't bring it up in the midst of being in trouble, but it was oh. just on... Smart. <laughs> I just brought it up one day, and he was like, "Okay." And oh yeah, he was like, it, "Okay, let's try it try. out." We'll give it a try, and uh, I regretted that because uh, <laughs> uh, I soon realized I'd rather have been spanked and then punished quickly. Get it one, in, just right out, just get it over with. Yeah, and and rather than have it being prolonged for a week <laughs> or however many days. That's so interesting. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my experience with it. Uh, I remember probably in elementary school, I visited a friend's house and we were playing and I forget what happened, but the mom punished punished both of us mm. and she sent us to time out. And again, that was the first time I experienced that and I didn't, I didn't know what to think of it. Um, so the, I've experienced all of these different things. Right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. 
And as far as Avery, I don't think she, I think she said she was spanked, but not that often because she, you know, she tried to, to not upset her parents, but Mm. she was also very sensitive. So with them, you know, just a verbal reprimand was enough to um, Mm. kind of correct her or even, you know, the, this was disappointing. Mm. And, and so we see that kind of come up in our conversations as we discussed it more. Mm. I had to start thinking about, you know, what is my actual philosophy on discipline? Mm. You, know, it, you know, I've talked with many other parents. I've, I've read Ted Tripp's book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. Mm. Not everyone agrees with what he says about disciplining and mm-hmm. um, specifically about spanking. But one thing that Avery and I both agreed on is whatever form of discipline that you are going to commit to it has to be godly Mm. there should never anger that's transferred from you to the child that you are not angry in the moment and Uh. then the anger is the thing that's leading you into Mm. the discipline whether it is spanking or even any other action Mm. verbal or any punishment or discipline you decide to give to your child um, it shouldn't be out of anger and so Mm. being level-headed when you uh, go to discipline your child, and then always seeking reconciliation afterwards. Uh, but one of the things that Avery and I started to talk about a little bit more was, again, for me growing up with spanking, I didn't see anything wrong with it. But I understand for many uh, parents now, you know, they have very negative associations with spanking. Oh, yeah. Whether- I mean, I think some people would even equate spanking with child abuse right the physical harm that you could give your child Mm -hmm. because in instances where parents do discipline out of anger they can get carried away and it can lead into actual Mm -hmm. abuse Mm -hmm. Um, so i definitely get that there's that physical component that every and it's something that's i think more visceral Mm -hmm. um but it's also something that is more visible, right? Mm. So children who have been beaten, uh, you can physically see that and Mm. you can kind of tangibly see the results of um, a discipline that's done wrong. Mm. Um, You know, are we just saying that physical things are bad because again, you can see the physical harm versus the, you know, the internal things you don't really see. So, you can't, you I think you could easily just say it's okay because you know there's you don't see any harm in the child until you know as they grow as they develop you can see it kind of come out and I think there's a lot of people now that you know go to counseling or go to therapy yeah that's uh, a good know, point they, I mean you know, it, they can attest to that yeah yeah I think some people sort of feel like oh spanking is maybe a bridge too far as long as I don't spank that's fine. But emotional manipulation, psychological manipulation can be in in its own way really perverse and really right. harmful. You can be abused all kinds of ways. And right. so, yes. And, you know, it's, it's really great that you guys are having these discussions now, not when it's too late. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. One of the things that you said that um, I think 
is a really great point. It really resonates with what we see in Proverbs 13 is that discipline is not about the parent. Discipline should be about the child, not the parent. Mm. Discipline should be about the development, growth, nurture, instruction, support for the child. And if it is, if discipline is doled out selfishly, then that's actually a perversion of what discipline should be. And yeah, I am, I'm totally guilty of this, you know? Uh, I think all of us struggle with this. You know, sometimes we do things or we give out consequences, we lash out at our kids, we say snide remarks, we, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe even um, give um, give punishments because we're annoyed. It's right. they've done stuff stuff that is um, impinges upon um, our will, and we're doing it because we're put out, not because we love them so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, that that happens all the time. It and. You know, that's part of our, that's part of our depravity. I don't think in our discussion, we're going to be able to say, this is what you need to do. This is the plan for disciplining your kids. You know, you, this is the the program. You just follow this program and you will, you will discipline your, this is what you need to do to, to, to discipline your kids. Every approach to discipline really depends upon the individual family, the individual parents, mm-hmm. the kid, the personality of that particular kid. Um, right. It's so many factors involved, and we're not going to be able to provide a panacea solution, a one-size-fits-all plug-in solution for mm-hmm. parents. Um, instead, what we can do and that's not what Proverbs provides either. That's not mm-hmm. what the Bible provides. Um, the Bible's actually maddeningly spare in the kind of guidance it provides parents, I think, right. um, uh, when it comes to direct guidance uh, regarding discipline. The Bible doesn't actually say a lot about parenting. And what it requires of parents seems to be pretty basic. If you look through the Bible, it seems like parents are basically in charge of four major duties. Um, One is to provide for their families. Another is to protect. There are explicit exhortations to instruct your children. And there is also an encouragement to discipline your kids. And so that's pretty much it. But under each of these, I think you can sort of see how kids need each of those things. They need provision. They need the things around them that's going to develop them and and have them grow in a healthy way, which includes not just material things like food and shelter, but also things like structure, you know? They need protection. They need to feel safe. They need to feel secure. They need to be 
given a space to make mistakes, to grow, to learn. And they need direct instruction. That's why, that's why in our church, we strongly encourage parents to catechize their kids. That's why uh, the short, Westminster Shorter, Cate- uh, Shorter Catechism is included every week as part of the liturgy and why we rely upon that historical tool to get across the major tenets of doctrine. But then this last category of discipline to me seems to be, you know, if it's, if those are all the major things that, you know, kind of cover all of parenthood, then to me, it seems that discipline actually covers way more ground than we normally think it does. Mm. For many of us, when we think of discipline, we think of the thing that I need to do when my child misbehaves. And that's how we define it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that the Bible has a much more holistic view of discipline. That discipline is really about providing overall guidance. It's about Mm -hmm having a relationship with your child. It's about um, connecting with your child and being able to speak into their lives. And it's about providing correction that will be received, hopefully, uh, by your child. So it's actually not just the one thing that you do when your child goes astray, it's like everything leading up to that and everything leading after that as well. Let's take a quick break and have Mark remind you about one or two things going on in the life of our church. This October 30th, we will be celebrating our New City's annual fall festival. It's a great opportunity for our church family to gather, spend some time together, eating, playing games, um, and just enjoy, enjoying each other's company. Last year, we had a great turnout. There was a lot of fun. The kids had such a great time. But in order to really make it happen, we do need a lot of volunteers. So if you are available and would like to help out, um, please contact me at mark at newcityva.org and let me know how you would like to help out. Yeah, after I started reading The Shepherding a Child's Heart, and he was kind of mm. talking about... This is Ted Trip, And he was just talking about how, you know, discipline is supposed to bring the child back into blessing. So if mm. you're thinking about, you know, we, talk, we talked about covenants a lot when we're in our uh, baptism discussion. And again, in, in those languages, if you are doing something that is violating a covenant... Mm. Um, the discipline that is given is so that you might come back and be able to receive the blessings of the covenant and not the curses. And so mm-hmm. um, in, in a similar way, if we are disciplining the children, again, like you said, it's not about it's not about the parents. It's not about, oh, the child did something to upset you. Mm-hmm. But actually what he's saying is when they do wrong or Mm. when they sin again it's not against you as parents it is against the lord Mm. if we view um, our children and the wrongs that they do not as sins and attacks against us as parents but 
they are rebelling against the Lord, our job as their stewards mm-hmm. and as their caretakers, uh, as their parents, is to shepherd them back in, you know, into reconciliation with God mm. so that they are made right and that they can continue receiving blessings from him. And so if we kind of see discipline in that way, I think it gives us a better understanding of how we can approach it. And I, again, it's not always going to be easy and you, you know, you're not always going to be level-headed about it, but hopefully you'll start to see that discipline in a, in a different perspective and it becomes, it actually becomes very enriching to your child's life. And it's something that you don't want to withhold from them because ultimately it is a blessing for them because, again, it's supposed to guide them, it's supposed to sharpen them, it's supposed to increase their knowledge and train them up in the ways of the Lord. That shepherding metaphor is such a a useful and important and powerful metaphor. Uh, I think a lot of times when people read Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son, you know, they think, oh, this is about beating my kid. Right, yeah. (laughs) But it's actually, um, it's actually refers to animal husbandry. It refers to how you need to guide your animals. So if you have an ox and you are, you know, and they are plowing the field and they go off in a weird direction, you use the rod to bring them back on course, right? Mm. Um, and, and And if you think about what a shepherd does with his rod, right, in... Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do with his rod? He doesn't beat his sheep with the rod, right? Mm. The rod is used to protect the sheep. It's used to drive away predators. And it's used to guide the sheep to the place where they need to go. The green pastures, Mm. right? To away from danger, away from, you know, precipices, right? Um, Mm. Sheep are dumb. And sheep are, you know, sheep need guidance. That's what that is referring to. We need to be constantly vigilant and provide constant guidance, not sleeping on the job and just being negligent of our kids, but instead being there for them. That's really what that's that's about. As you said, it's about bringing them back into the fold, bringing them back into nurture. Yeah. And I think it's much easier actually to ignore that job. Hmm. Right. I think it's, you know, it's easier just to kind of turn, avert your eyes, kind of ignore the behavior almost as if it it doesn't exist. You know, it will go away if you just ignore it. Hmm. Um, I think that's much easier to do. I mean, not even on a discipline level, but, if you see something wrong, mm. I think most people, it's actually easier just to ignore it and walk away than it is to engage. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, even at church, when there are people that are struggling or there's, you know, um, hardships that people are going through, it's easier actually just to let them be mm. than to jump into the messiness of it and like wade through that with them. Mm. It's actually just, you know, it's easier just to let it go. Let me play devil's advocate here. Mm -hmm. 
Does that mean that we need to be helicopter parents? Does that mean that we need to be on top of them all the time? That we need to be constantly nagging them, giving them direction, you know, letting them know what to do at every step? Uh, absolutely. That's what it's. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think no, some uh, parents they really feel like you know my you know my I really want to make sure that my kids are independent, that they right. have grit, that they have yeah. resilience, that they can make decisions for themselves, that they can learn from their own mistakes. So how do we balance that with you know? Being there for them and guiding them and providing correction for them. Where's where? How do you see as that uh, striking the balance there, Mark? It's it's one thing to say you want your child to have independence,、mm. but to never teach them and to never guide them is also you know negligence because、mm. there's no child that is born and from the get go they know everything,、mm. right? And it's kind of the idea of You know, would you watch your child do something extremely dangerous, because you know they'll learn from that mistake and just you'll just let that happen? I think most people would stop them rather than let them experience the pain in order to learn from it.、Mm. Now, some children they're stubborn, so they need to go through some of that suffering in order to really understand.、But、yeah, you, you're not supposed to helicopter parent them because that can also be very detrimental because they don't learn to think. For themselves, they don't actually learn wisdom because、mm-hmm. you are thinking for them,、mm-hmm. and so their actions are just following your direction without ever really understanding why. It is a balance between the two. That yes, they should have independence, but there is a time for that, right? Like after they have spent seasons under your care,、um, and you have. Guided them in the word of the Lord,、mm. that they are able to grow in wisdom and maturity, so that when they do strike it out on their own, they're able to handle life's circumstances because you have taught them through your own experiences, but also by teaching them God's word, so that they might rely on it as their source of, of guidance as well. Mm. Mm. I do think that there are some helpful things that we can tell. That we can encourage parents on that might provide some guidance as to the direction that they might take. One is actually that you are with others on this journey. You have、right. your you have your spouse. You have your church. You have a body of believers around you that can share their own input. That can pray. With you and for you, that are also chipping in to provide nurture and encouragement and discipline to your kids,、mm-hmm. and so part of that is, I think, an untapped resource for a lot of parents is actually making sure that you're not trying to solve all this on your own,、right. but that you are. Having these conversations, seeing what other people do, getting other people's input—you're not necessarily not everybody is going to be of the same hive mind on this. And you might see another how another family handles discipline and be like, "No, I'm not sure if that is what our child needs." But it's good 
to be to have that exposure and to have that discussion with them and to get the sense of where the thinking behind that is mm. as part of you know what you are processing uh, you know even as you're talking about that you know when we are choosing the way that we will discipline our children mm. is it based off of again just our own preferences mm. or is it actually based off of what is best for our child yeah. when you know your child mm. you know your the your your child's heart and you know the things that they actually struggle with mm. the idols that they have then you can actually pick the right discipline to guide them but like you said that requires you to build a relationship with your child and i think that's the that's the beauty of what you're talking about is that discipline is that it involves a relationship and it involves you building that relationship with your child so that you actually know how to guide them with the discipline that you choose yeah i think a real major part of discipline is just knowing your child well mm-hmm. it's walking alongside them in their life it's that you can hear their voice and that you are also speaking into their life um and that there is that relationship there that they understand that that you are here for them that might not necessarily mean that you are idolizing them or giving them whatever they want it just means that you seek you seek the betterment of their welfare overall and that yeah. your mission is really to help them develop in godliness and in faith providing that kind of advocacy for your kids may mean building things up for them providing them opportunities scaffolding for them so that um what i mean by that that's a teacherly term but um <laughs> yeah you know what that means but scaffolding is is about building structures around them or building a kind of environment for them that allows them to learn something in an easier way it's like sort of uh, a, an example would be putting training wheels on a bicycle if they are being squirrely in church for example during service you know um having rehearsals with them pra- helping them practice sitting quietly for some lengths of time providing for them activities or snacks that they could have so that they'll it'll help them pass through that activity and eventually develop those skills and abilities that they need in order to manage some of those uh, and overcome some of those obstacles that they face so providing that kind of guidance and walking alongside them might mean building some things up but it also might mean breaking some things down if they are spinning out of control in something uh if their emotions are you know kind of psych in a sort of vicious cycle right um mm-hmm. if you know your child well then you might be able to speak into their life and say you know i'm seeing this happen to you uh, and i need to intervene mm-hmm. um or to be able to look at you know some troubling behavior that they're undergoing and say this is what i'm seeing happening with you these are the kind of 
disordered desires I see you being consumed by, you know, mm. and for your own benefit, I might need to provide some restrictions and, you know, take away some things or put you in a new environment or this is not all touchy feely, you know, just hug your kids all the time. This does include doing something sometimes that your kids might not like. Mm -hmm. But again, it's, as you said, it's in the service. It's in, it's for the purpose of the child and not for you. Another thing you said that was such a good point is that what we want to model for our kids includes submission, includes servitude. I think a lot of times when we talk about, when people think about, you know, being a good role model for their kids, it might mean modeling good behavior, modeling a good character, modeling prudence. And that is absolutely true. You do want to be a good role model in that regard for your kids. They, the kids, your kids look up to you as to what is acceptable behavior. What are the standards um, that they are being held to that that is reasonable for them. But part of that is not only modeling leadership for them, but it's also modeling submission for them and letting them see that you don't think of yourself as the ultimate authority, that you don't do things arbitrarily, but that you are submitting yourselves to your partner, to your elders, to your boss, but then ultimately to God himself and to scripture, right? Mm -hmm. That you are showing them that the decisions that I'm, that I'm making, I'm making because this is what it says in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I'm not making, I'm not taking on this strategy just because I feel like it and I'm going by my own feelings and by my own uh, impulse or will, but I am myself following a higher authority. Mm -hmm. And that that's also an important modeling that, you know, part of being a Christian is constantly humbling yourself to those that are worthy. Those are good thoughts on that. Because, you know, it's just, you know, when you think about a lot of behavior that children have, a lot of it is just imitation. Mm. Um, you wonder when a child is not able to submit, uh, and then you look at their parents or you see how their parents act, and you're like, oh, maybe that's where it came from. Mm -hmm. um, there are every family has unwritten rules to their family culture <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that gets passed on for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and kids are really quick to pick up on those. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I would say that again, there is a lot of grace here mm -hmm. that um, this, you know, I, I hope that, these um that these thoughts don't incur you know i hope that these thoughts don't make you feel like you are not living up to your parenting 
um, right. and that is absolutely putting another layer of law upon you. Instead, these are just things to think about and to and to take in. We are assured of our um, of our righteousness, of our resurrection in Christ, and so we can make mistakes, and that's okay. And we can be transparent about our sanctification to our kids. I think we right. should feel free to um, to apologize to them when we feel like we've made a misstep, mm. that we can be open and vulnerable to them about things that we are still tr- working out and maybe haven't quite made up our mind yet and letting them know that our, that our thinking might be evolving on something. I think that's okay. You know, for, again, you know, whatever's developmentally appropriate um, to your kids, you need to exercise some judgment on that. But I do think that um, for kids to understand that you are yourself on a journey and that you yourself are learning and developing and being sanctified over time doesn't undermine your authority, but instead it, again, models what they themselves are going through. Yeah. Next week, I think we plan to talk about Halloween. And the week after that, about the Reformation, because Halloween is actually Reformation Day. And I was wondering if you have any recommendations or tips or things that you do around the house for this particular season. I mean, I didn't grow up uh, really uh, doing anything for Halloween because Halloween's my fun. Oh, yeah, birthday. that's right. Yeah, your, yeah. your mom didn't uh, like it. No. But then Avery, you know, her mom would make them costumes every year. Oh, and so wow. she had, you know, she had a great time. And, you know, so she would talk about how her mom would make her a costume and, you know, as like Cleopatra one Whoa. one year, um, Princess Leia one year. Oh. So like she has she has a lot of good memories mm. of um, dressing up and having fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. I recommend that you do pumpkin carving with your ah. kids. I think regardless of whether you do trick-or-treating or not or celebrate Halloween as a holiday, uh, pumpkin p- carving is, uh, you can just interpret it as an autumnal um, right. celebration, uh, so activity. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, managed to save up uh, pumpkin carving tools. They're usually pretty... They seem pretty flimsy, but yeah. <laughs> they're actually pretty effective um, for the most part, I think. And, and you can often find them in, in party stores or even in thrift stores sometimes. In, uh, I'm sure Hobby Lobby or Michael's uh, has them. Kids love the mess and mm. love the art, art. And you can always take the seeds and collect them and dry them and roast them. Pumpkin seeds make a great snack. I love pumpkin oh, yeah. seeds. Roasted pumpkin oh. seeds. Yeah. So I love I love eating roasted pumpkin seeds. We pray our discussion was edifying to you, and we'd love to hear any feedback. Mark's email is mark at newcityva.org. 
Stephen Price provided the music, and you can find more of it at almadogma.bandcamp.com. That's A-L-M-A-D-O-G-M-A dot bandcamp.com. We're recording on equipment generously donated by Sonny Kim, and you can find out more about our church at newcityva.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, watch those windows. Because there's, yeah, there's so many different costumes out there, and um, and there's one I think because of her her Chinese side, mm-hmm. um, you know the, the the Chinese zodiacs, and so she was born in the year of the tiger, and so we thought maybe if we could find a, a cute tiger outfit Aww. for her. Yeah, then, I was born in the yeah. year of the tiger, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah, <laughs> I'm a tiger. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with her. We, we, are, we share the same spirit animal. 